welcome to Kindergarten Chaos, the Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. And today we're going to talk about writing, specifically guided writing. All right, let's talk about guided writing. There are a lot of approaches to guided writing and everyone kind of has their own techniques. I have one that I've used for the last 20 years and I found to be very successful. So my writing technique is based upon the works of Vygotsky and using his works of the zone of proximal development and scaffolding students. So what I do is I um, use simple lines so that the children are able to materialize each word. And this technique is based on both Vygotsky and L. Cohen because it helps children learn to plan their writing and visualize their words and their sentences. And so this approach has been very successful for me. So tell me a little bit more about what that looks like. Right, well, what you do is you have the students state the sentence that they want to write. So if they want, are talking about, I like to go to the park and play baseball, well, when you're in the beginnings of teaching writing, you bring that down to a three to five word sentence and say, I like the park. Mm-hmm. And so you count the, say the sentence again as you're counting on your fingers, I like the park. And then you will take the, your pen or pencil and in the child's journal or on the paper facing the child. So it's upside down to you, but right side up to the child. Starting on their left side, you will draw the lines, I like the park. Just a line then for after, each word. Mm-hmm. And then after mm-hmm. you draw the lines, you'll point at the lines again and say, I like the park. So to begin, what I do is I have the child tell me a sentence that they want to write. And if they say, I can run really fast, I have new shoes, I will break it down because, you know, it's the beginning of teaching writing. And so I will say, I can run fast. I can run fast. And as I say the sentence, I'll point on my fingers. I can run fast. Oh, that has four words. And then with the paper facing the child, I'll work upside down because I want everything to be right side up for the child. I'll start on their left side and draw a line for each word. I can run fast. And this will help them visualize where each word is going to go. It will help them learn to visualize spaces. And so, of course, I'll just help them do I because it's a power word and I'll show them where to copy it on the word wall. And so I, all right, what comes next? I can run fast. So I will just continually repoint at all of the lines every time we are approaching a new word. So I can can, 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 and I'll really um, keep the word always in whole. I won't um, break it up because I want this to be a writing lesson rather than a phonics lesson, but I will actually, but I will really make sure that I'm focusing on the can, and do you know what letter makes that sound in the word can? Do you hear any sounds in the word can? And if a kid cannot hear any sounds, then actually using this method, then you just leave that line blank and move to the next line. 
But I've found that kids get really frustrated with that. And so if they can't hear a k, then I will show them on my alphabet cards that's right there at our table. I'll say k, k, can. Oh, it starts with a C. Here, put a C right there. And really give them that support. Because what I'm trying to do is move them within their zone. And so if you're offering the support to moving the next level, then I'm also teaching them that a C says k. All right, so then I'm going to begin again and go back to the beginning of the sentence. I can run fast. I can run, run. Do you hear any sounds in the word run, run, run? And then I will just listen to the, if they can say any sounds. And the, the next time, if I'm offering the support, instead of telling them the letter, then I will say run. And I'll just actually take my uh, pencil and point at the letter R while I'm saying run, <laughs> run. And they'll say, oh, that one. <laughs> and, and I just really am worrying about the beginning sounds at the beginning of the year. And kids that are ready will tell you more sounds. And that's one thing I really like about scaffold writing is you're really able to work with the kids at their own level. At the beginning of the year, some kids are ready for just these simple, basic steps I'm talking about. And other kids will be ready to write a full sentence within two weeks of instruction of scaffold writing or even more. But if and you so do it this we'll, way, then they can all start writing right from the beginning because they can write whatever they're ready for, right? That's oh, right. That was they a lot can. of right. They can write, right, right? <laughs> it's right. It's right. <laughs> it is. And so all of the kids are feeling success at their level. And so then we'll just continue. I can run fast, fast. And sometimes they might only hear the s in a word, like the, the s the in fast. Because that, that's a pretty uh, strong Because that's a really sound. Um, prominent sound in the word fast. And so, you know, it really doesn't matter. I just want them to learn to write the sounds they hear. And I want them to use their alphabet card for support. Mm-hmm. And I have their little alphabet cards I put in the top of their pencil box. So when they open their pencil box, they have the little... Um, alphabet cards. I love those. Those are one of my favorite things to use. So after I've written the whole word, I can run fast, then I will say, oh, we're finished. Let's put a period and teach them the period right from the get-go, that when Mm -hmm. you're finished writing, you put a period. We'll move into more complexity of the period later, but right (laughs) now I just want them to know every time you stop, you put a period. And so then what I will do is have them illustrate their story. I can run fast. And if it's something that is going to be saved in a portfolio or something that is going to go home, then I will always, in very teeny tiny writing under the lines with a pencil, write, I can run fast. Because I I think there's nothing more discouraging to a parent than a sheet to come home the kid is excited about that they've written a story and the parent has no clue what the story says. Well, I can attest to that from personal experience from my own child bringing home things and so excited and I can't read it and I'm tr- and I know how to read kid writing but I couldn't read some of them and he was well, so dis- be- and he was so discouraged cuz he said oh well I guess I didn't write that very well and I 
that just deflated me. It does. And so I know it's a little controversial that some people are purists and they say you never write on a child's writing. But I just think it's more important for the child's self-esteem that they take home writing parents can read. And so parents can also celebrate the success that you felt as a teacher when that child was writing that. And my kids, they're just used to me doing it. The first time they, I do it, I'm going to, I just say, I'm just going to write some notes of how good you did. And as, we, as time goes on, then um, they just are kind of used to it. They don't really ask why I'm doing it or what I'm doing. They what just about some of your higher kids that notes. know that you're correcting what they're doing? Well, the higher kids usually are phonetically enough that you can tell what they said. And... Sometimes I will wait until they've left the tables <laughs> if they're the higher kids because, <laughs> you know, I don't want, I want to keep it positive for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I also want it read. You want, but you want them to be able to read it. You, well, right, yeah. that, the point of writing is to share your thoughts with somebody else. And so mm-hmm. you're just making it so that they can so that they can take their early writing and share mm-hmm. it with somebody. So I like that you yeah. do that. <laughs> I do. And, you know, sometimes you just can't read it because of handwriting. Mm-hmm. And so with those kids, I usually just, um, for sure, wait until they're gone. And they're so tiny. I don't think the kids really even pay much yeah. attention to well, it. Well, because you just so do it very, very writing. small at the bottom. Mm-hmm. or in, mm-hmm. in dis- well, Under the lines. I do yeah. it under the lines. I've really never had a kid say much about what I do, except for the first time. They ask what I'm doing. I just tell them I'm taking notes <laughs> so I can remember what you said. So when you're doing this scaffold writing, there's a few things you want to remember along the way, and one thing is to always authenticate the student's writing. So after the, you're, you're done, finished, after you're finished um, the, doing this activity, then you'll want to read it pointing at it. I can run fast. Hey, read this story to me. And then have the child read back. I can run fast. Hey, read it to Johnny who's sitting next to you. I can run fast. So give the child a couple opportunities to read their own writing and to feel success about it. And another thing that I like to do is sometimes um, I do writing for a class book. So I'm either having them write in journals or I'm having them write for portfolios or I'm having them write for a wall display or um, a few other purposes. But one thing I really like to do is a class book. And especially at the beginning of the year, because it's really fun for kids to check out the class book to take home and and have their family share other students' work so they can get to know the other kids in the classroom. So maybe my writing will be my favorite color, and it will be I like blue. Well, structured writing at the beginning is kind of an easy way to do that. So you will just do... You will already have pre-printed on the paper on I like, Mm -hmm. and then a line. And that's called structured writing. Your teachers are very familiar with it. It's something people use all the time. And so then if I'm doing that activity, I will have them basically copy it. Just copy the color word off of the chart. Mm 
So what I'm doing with that type of scaffold writing is I'm just trying to give them strategies. I'm not teaching them how to phonetically sound anything out. I'm teaching them how to copy power words, how to follow the lines, how to leave spaces, how to put the period. And, but it's really fun then to put that together after the kids illustrate it and to make a book. And also give children lots of opportunity to display their work. I have a, um, a cupboard at the back of my room where there's just tape. And so anytime someone feels proud of their work, they can just go tape it up on the counter. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit messy for my OCD <laughs> taste. <laughs> the kids love that it. That is a lot of messy for you mm-hmm. who got mad at me for letting kids put their own pages in their portfolios. <laughs> I know. I can't believe you do that. <laughs> and so then you can kind of expand writing through the curriculum and link what you're writing about. So, for example, if you're going to do a scaffold writing, a day one might look like um, procedures. So if you're going to write in journals, you'll want the procedures of where the kids get their journals, how they bring them to your table, how do they turn how they turn to the first clean page, and the knowledge that they only write on that one page. And so day one really is about that. And so usually I have the kids just practice their name and draw a picture of themselves on day one because I just want them to know how to get their journal, find the page, and do the work, and then close the journal and put it away when they're finished. And so the second day, then I will, you know, certainly refresh their minds on all of those procedures, and that's when I will begin um, writing something. So if I have, like at the beginning of the year, lots of times. After you have your kids learn the procedures of writing, how do you start to, how do you start to move them along in their writing as the year goes on? So after about the first nine weeks, then this, most of the students are to that short sentence phase of guided writing. There are going to be a few kids that, um, it's going to take maybe even till second semester. And when you say short sentence, you mean a short sentence with probably just beginning sound in each word, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're probably still not, after nine weeks, they're probably still not final or medial, a lot of them, right? Yeah. But they can do that And short. that's the thing about guided writing is I'd say 20% of the class are going to still be at that beginning sound phase. Well, maybe even 30%. And I'd say 5% or 10% of the class are still going to be to that very small stage of where you're still pointing at letters and giving 100% support to even getting that beginning sound written. Mm-hmm. But then I'd say about 50% of your class are now moving to uh, beginning and maybe even ending sounds. Maybe some and ending then, sounds. Yeah, and then the rest of your class is actually maybe hearing most of the sounds. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing I love about guided writing is because you are able to scaffold kids wherever they belong. And when parents ask you day one of school, um, I just don't want my kids to be held back because of the lower kids. You can honestly say they won't be because in guided writing, you know you are going to attack the needs of the students right at their level. Well, you hit everybody. You can. It's one of those things that's just differentiated just by the nature of the activity 
you don't have to build in differentiation because it just is. It just is. And so after uh, about the nine weeks when kids are, the, the spread is getting broad, mm-hmm. then I really try to move those kids that are that, you know, maybe 15% of the kids that are able to now write that sentence and have most of the sounds in it, then I want to move them forward to having, adding descriptive words, adding things, um, like maybe adding the second sentence, like if they want to say, I like to swim, well, tell me why you like to swim. Let's now add another sentence to that. And so it just really grows and expands at the student's pace until eventually at the, probably the third trimester of the year, then most of my students can easily write a story with a beginning, middle, end, and have add their colorful um, words, their adjectives and adverbs that are required by the core standards. So how do you get them there? How do you move them from a simple, I like my dog, I like my mom, I like to swim, I like baseball, to a story? I found that naturally kids will begin to get rid of the I likes when you add the second sentence. Mm-hmm. Because then they find, hey, wait, I can't write another sentence. <laughs> it doesn't have to say, I like dogs. Because um, now they are building confidence in my dog is really big. And another thing that really gets them out of the I like is to do... Um, writing activities with science, for example. So if you're studying penguins, do the can have our activity where you take key details out of the text and then ask students to write about penguins. What do you know about penguins? And so if you're giving them a lot of prompts that don't lend themselves to I like sentences, they really get out of the habit of that. They will fall back into the I like sentence habit though at any moment if you don't keep pushing them on because they're it's comfy it's cozy it's like putting on your flannel jammies (laughs) they can find success with I like blue I like green so throughout the year you're building their skills as writers through mini lessons right Mm -hmm. so whole group mini lessons whole group yeah and small groups sometimes or mostly whole group I think I do most of the mini group, mini groups. <laughs> I think most of my mini lessons are whole group. I can't really think of. So we, I I, review, I do them whole group, and then at the small group, then we kind of review. review. So lessons. what are some of the, give us some examples of some of the mini lessons that help move your kids on the continuum through the year? Well, there's lots of mini lessons you need to give along the way because you want it's it's all about scaffolding and you mm-hmm. want to continually build and give kids the tools to move to the next level. So are you getting probably well are you getting it just from watching your kids writing and and then planning it is. from there? It's all from inform, informal observation of knowing where the kids need to go. And so when I'm presenting like when I present on nouns, mm-hmm. a mini lesson on nouns, I will present the whole group lesson to the entire class. But then when I go to my small group, I'll know that some kids are ready for it and some kids are not. Mm -hmm. And my writing grouping, I usually group my kids with um, too high, 
too low students. I've found that if I have all my high together or all my low together, I just can't work with them adequately. Mm. The high groups, sometimes I'm there wanting to pop popcorn, <laughs> you know, because they don't need my support. Because they're more independent. Yeah, and if I've got all low students, I am, like, exhausted, and I have not served them well. Mm -hmm. So I usually do too high, too low, and I found that to be very successful. So I will just do the noun activity and talk about um, water nouns. And so then when we're going to go write, and I I do my guided writing during centers, during Mm -hmm. our center rotation, two times a week. So on um, Tuesday and Thursdays, I will do guided writing with each group for 13-minute rotation. In place of your guided reading? Mm-hmm. I do guided writing Tuesday, Thursday, guided reading Monday, Wednesday. And then on the opposite days, I do whole group guided reading, whole group writing. Mm-hmm. So that I'm doing reading and writing every day. So what are some mini lessons that you've done every year that that always seem to come up? And what do they look like? Well, I think one of my most successful and the most important mini lessons is on adjectives. Because kids really um, want to write just about the object. I have a book bag. So I like to talk to my kids about adjectives and how adjectives make stories better. And so I really call them descriptive words to my students because they really get describing something. And so we do a lot of activities on describing. So I might have Amanda come to the front of the class and we'll write a list of things to describe Amanda. And I will say, I see Amanda. (laughs) And then I will say, let's describe Amanda. And I will have the kids generate um, things about Amanda. She has blue hair. Blue hair. (laughs) She has blue eyes. She has brown hair. She has a cute smile. She might have blue hair. Hey, I have a student with blue hair. So, yeah. So, there you go. She has blue hair. And so. So I will make a list of things that about Amanda. And so then I will say well, I will fix my sentence that I've written, I like Amanda. I will put, I like Amanda's blue hair. <laughs> I like Amanda's green dress. And talk about how it makes it more exciting and interesting. And so then I'll do like an apple. And I, I will say, the apple. Is that a very good story? The apple. And so then we'll talk about describing the red wormy apple (laughs) to make the story better. The red wormy apple was yucky. Yeah. And then we'll move into the action, into the verbs and adverbs to make it better. And so I found that kids really like doing that. And one book I really like using is... Joy Callie's The Meanies, mm-hmm. because the meanies are fun to describe. <laughs> and so whenever I do adjectives, that's kind of the one I start with. Mm-hmm. And so we will um, make a spider graph of all the words that describe the meanies. And then I'll take that chart that we just generated in whole group, and I will take that over to my guided reading table. So it will be there for any student that is savvy enough <laughs> to, to use the chart. And for any kid that actually needs the more scaffold support from me. So if they want to describe, the meanies are hairy. 
So I will help them sound out the word Harry or for the lower, lower kids, I will want, I want them <laughs> for the lower kids, I want them to have the strategy of using anchor charts. And so I will show them where the word Harry is. So what's another mini lesson that you like that you do? So another example is beginning, middle, end. And this I like to do after we've constructed really good sentences and they're now using descriptive words in their sentence. It's time to move to a two or a three sentence um, story. And so the thing that I do to get ready for this is do beginning, middle, ending lessons. And I really like just using cards, picture cards. You can just print random picture cards. And I throw up the three cards on the whiteboard, which might be a house, a cow, and a tree. <laughs> and then I will make up three sentences using those picture cards and showing the kids that it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so then we will move to our group and I will have them begin to write the three sentences, a beginning to their story, a middle to the story, and an end. And some of the kids, they try to write the end for their ending of the story. <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not the end work. is not the end. <laughs> yeah. So after you've done a lot of supports for the students and you have scaffold them, then it's time to move them into independent writing. And you're talking and the end of the year, right? Like I'm talking, yeah, third trimester is when I started. You know, I really want to give a lot of support even to those higher kids because it is my job as their teacher to scaffold the kids the highest level of writing I can get right. them. And so I don't want to pull away just because they're being successful writers. You want to I keep want pushing to them, them as far as you can take them. I, I do. And so I want them to be able to write three-page stories if that's what they're going to be able to do. I have tested my new students at the last two days, and I know there are two kids that are definitely um, going to be to that part, part at the end of the year because it's my my job to get them there mm -hmm. because they are ready for it. Mm -hmm. They're ready to be at that level. And so third trimester is when I try to pull back the support and move them more to become independent writers. How do you do that? Well, that's when I really like to move to writers conference. I know that some people begin writers conference right from the get go. But I really find that Writers Conference for me works better if I've really scaffolded and supported my students to really become independent writers and ready for the writing conference. So at that point, I will pull guided writing out of the, my center rotations and leave it maybe one, one day a week that I will do scaffold writing and add one more day of independent writing during the week. And during this time, I will just try to get the kids to um, be able to do the sentences as they can. So prior to this, I guess it's important to say that as I see the kids are able to write their beginning, middle, and ending sentences, I slowly pull away from the line drawing. Mm -hmm. And I... I have them, I say, Would, do you want to draw your lines today is kind of the first thing I do. And then eventually I say, hey, you are so great at leaving spaces. 
why don't you try it with outlines today? And so at that guided reading table, I will pull, I will gradually get them to pull away from lines. Some kids really prefer them and they really keep them because I think they like how it makes it, it makes neat writing look neater <laughs> to have the lines for sure. So then I move into the independent writing and have them write and come over and visit me at writer's conference and what do your writing, writing conferences look like so during writing i will kind of move around for a second but mostly i just head for my guided um, reading writing table and tell them that when they're ready for help they can come on over and so if a kid's getting stuck on their writing they can come over for support the kids who are still using lines will come over and i'll draw the lines for them and talk them through the visualizing process. And the kids that are ready to just write will just start writing and then when they're finished with their story, they'll come over and read their story to me. And I don't get to everyone every day during a writer's conference because you know we have too many kids in our classroom for that. Mm -hmm. But I will just say writer's conference is open and you can come to me and then if, it, if time's getting near the end, I'll say, all right, well, we have five minutes left to write, so I'm closing writer's conference today. The rest of you just finish your stories, and they don't seem to melt down. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good when you don't have a meltdown. Do you have any final thoughts on the guided writing process? Yes, I think probably the most important thing to remember is um, the visualization that you want from the lines that Vygotsky and El Cohen were brilliant men. And when they came up with the theory of um, visualizing, they knew that this is what students need for support. And so moving that visualization into the writing process, you will be surprised at how your kids will develop as writers. I guess the next most important thing about guided writing is that it has immediate differentiation for your students and you're able to reach your students on all levels and so if for no other reason I think that is the reason to do guided writing in your classroom give it a try give it a try we'd like to congratulate Solheim Jim <laughs> I don't know if I said your name right S-O-L-H-E-I-M-J-M -E for <laughs> winning a free year of ESGI for your uh, review on our podcast. Thank you so much for doing that. We'd like to let everybody know that we have one more year of free SGI available. So go leave us reviews and you will be entered to win a free year of ESGI. ESGI is awesome. It will save you 400 hours. I've been testing the last two days using ESGI. And tomorrow I have a data meeting where I have to have all of my kids grouped in um, groups of green, yellow, red for sorting for our intervention. And let's see, how long did that take me to do? Yeah, one minute. <laughs> one minute. I had my data report ready for my meeting tomorrow. ESGI is fabulous. And we want you to have this for a year that we have to give away. So make sure you go on and rate and review our podcast so we can give you this free year of ESGI. And because you know you're going to win, go ahead right now and sign up for the free trial because you can get going and use it free for 60 days. Use code B7227 
and get going. All you have to do is open up iTunes, type kindergarten kiosk in the search bar in the store, scroll down and find our beautiful artwork, <laughs> and then just hit the button that says ratings and reviews. And if you're signed in, that's, you should be able to just leave one right there. And we hope you're all having a good beginning of the school year. I like to equate it to holding 24 corks under the water at the same time. <laughs> That's what oh, good luck, everyone. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts. For educators, by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?